This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. Hey everyone, it's Shane. Welcome back to, well, it's actually the first episode of the Senzauer podcast. Got a familiar voice with us with Neil Villapano. I always butcher your last name. You my really guy. butchered my last I, name. Honestly, maybe I did it a little bit on purpose for our last our last <laughs> discussion, but no. Um, my bad. It's why I don't try to pronounce your last name. I tried it this time. I butchered it. Uh, if, you guys, if you guys didn't notice or didn't see, we, we talked with the Soda Pod for Canada vs. U.S., uh, we're going to talk a little bit of draft. We're going to continue that conversation. Great. And we'll we'll see where the, the episode takes us. Are we going to try to keep it civil this time, or are we just going to just gonna, just go? Just go today. Do, we, do we ever keep things civil? No. Let's be no, honest. We don't. We don't. Um, but for those of you that don't know, it's it's pronounced Villa Piana. That's how you yeah, see. I, English word. language is not my strong suit. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but thank you for, for joining. Uh, you've become a regular on this show because, you know, we just bounce things off of each other, so it's always great. I feel like fun. You're, you're converting me into like a low key Sens fan just for the amount of times that like I come on here and talk with you about the Sens. So I feel so. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the new unis that they're getting that like gets me fired up. I don't know what it is, but I, yeah, those new unis. I just want them to release them. There was a leak talk, the other day. Talk about that as well. I want to talk about that because like what the leak? Yeah, the leak. I want to talk oh about my leak. god. I got into an argument with like three people about if it's a woman's jersey or a men's jersey. It looked like a kid's jersey. See, it looked too big to be a kid because it's a small. You can clearly tell that it's a small. I mean, you know. But it looks too big to be a kid's jersey. Right. The cut is too wide to be a woman's jersey, but the collar fits for a There are so many things wrong with it. Yeah. The logo's too small. Like... There's so much things wrong with that league that I'm just like, I just, I hope they don't mess this jersey up. I I don't think they will. I think if it looks anything similar to what we saw, I feel like it's going to come out really well. Um, I know that a lot of Sens fans, because actually a bunch of them do follow me on Twitter now, uh, thanks to you, actually. You're um, welcome. Uh, they, they, they seem to... They seem to believe that the senators are going to do are going to get it right. Like they're really going to legitimately get it the the way Sens fans are hoping for. I mean, I I personally was a big fan of the uniforms, and I don't know how many Sens fans are actually, but I I was a big fan of the uniforms they used to wear in the early two thousands, uh, like two thousand three to like two thousand and what ten two thousand. It was like I know they wore it all two thousand and eight. Right, two thousand and eight. Yeah, I really liked those. Um, I've, I've always been a big fan of those. So if they can make something similar to that, um, I would be all for it. And certainly I would definitely be interested in buying one of my own. Like I would really, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even get a player. I would probably just get I mean, a one. You could get a Ryan one. Cause he is a New Jersey. He's a Cherry Hill native. And by the way, congratulations to Bobby Ryan. Cause yesterday, what, what award did he win specifically? Bill Masterson. Right. He won the Bill Masterson award. And that yeah. doesn't surprise me. When I saw him as a finalist, I was like, Considering what he went through, and then like his first game back, he just lights it up, and you became like the, <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw what was it uh, either Soda Pod or we were on the After Hours. Somebody pointed that out. They were like, "Oh wait, that's the that's the that's the Sportsnet gift guy." 
And I was yeah. like, oh, God, he's become that much of a celebrity. I don't know. I don't remember seeing that. But, yeah, no, I was uh, – I'm the sports uh, – the Sportsnet gift. Someone made it. He uh, he was like – he put it together. He's like, how I feel when uh, we're drafting three – when we know we're drafting three and five. Yeah. And we were. I was shown it, and I loved it. I think it's yeah. great. Um, again, people who don't know, Bobby Ryan, favorite player. So super excited. I lost my voice that game. He's like your favorite player all the time, isn't he? Uh, favorite skater, yeah, it's him and yeah, Hitley. Or I my top two. That out. I think he tweeted out like saying like Bobby Ryan's like my favorite player of all time. Or yeah, like Burder, uh, Burder, Bobby, and Heatley were my top three players. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, when he was traded to Ottawa, I was super excited. I kind of just got over the fact that we lost Alfredson. I was like, oh, we lost Alfredson, but we got Bobby Ryan. Oh, so I'm Bobby Ryan, right? yeah. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm okay with this. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm I'm happy for him because it seemed like you know he really, you know, like. When when he scored when he scored one the place was going nuts but by the fact that he he scored as many as he did in that game was just I just love how it was against Vancouver too yeah against Vancouver that's for sure it was it was a great game and I'm very happy for Bobby Ryan being a Jersey guy I think he's from Cherry Hill New Jersey so that's I actually used to work in Cherry Hill for a long time so uh, I know that area very well but yeah I'm I'm really happy for him. Um, that goal that he scored against Pittsburgh in the playoffs was like one of my all-time favorite like Bobby Ryan moments just because it was in overtime and they won the game. And I actually thought the Senators were going to win the series based off of that game. I was no, like, honestly, hey, if they kept Flurry in net, I think it's 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 an Ottawa series to win. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, the uh, the LA goal where he splits the, the defenders and just roofs it on quick. Ooh. Fantastic, but that goal against Nashville with the when he was with the, Ducks, the Ducks, right? Yeah, in 2011. Yep. One of my best, like one of my all-time favorite goals. He beat out one guy twice. He went from he went from backhand to forehand, then back to backhand, and then scored. I was just yeah. like, damn. Um, it, it's funny because we uh, we were talking about it, you know, on Twitter and whatnot, and. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, Bobby Ryan's not going to be anything. He's not going to do any good for us. Um, and it's like, he came in. They lost his first game in Nashville. I think it was like 3-2. But he came in in Ottawa. He, his first home game, it was just a different a different breed. It was just a different atmosphere. The team played for him. Yeah. It was a whole whole different environment than what we were used to for, for that season, too. Yeah, he was, he's... Um... I think the Senators fans have grown to really love and appreciate, you know, Bobby Ryan since he came to uh, Ottawa. I know that I know that he was dealing with some injuries and obviously the fact that his game to an extent to some people's minds is kind of dropping. He's getting paid what? 6 million? 7, like just over 7, seven million. 7 million was uh it's definitely not great, but I think once Bobby Ryan's career is over, uh whenever that is, I think a lot of Senators fans will look back and really appreciate the fact that he was one of the longer tenured guys, especially during the period that they're in now with obviously, you know, trading away Eric Carlson, you know, Mark Stone and other guys Good like trade. that. Which, which one, the Mark Stone one or the Carlson one? Carlson. Okay. I, was just saying, I mean, I don't remember what Mark's, what the Mark Stone trade got. Brandstrom. But no, there you go. That's, that's, that's not bad. That's See, not bad. The Carlson, the, the Stone trade pisses me off because there's a report that came out short a couple of days ago with Pierre Lebrun uh, saying that the only team he wanted to go to or and was willing to sign a you, long-term extension was, that, yeah. and I was just like, he basically strong-armed 
Ottawa to trading him to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and personally, I was just like, there was a little bit of like, re- like respect lost for him with, with yeah. that kind of, like at least Carlson was like, hey, we're, I'm, I'm going to test the market. And Duchesne mm-hmm. was kind of the same way where he was like, I feel like I'm going to test the market. And he didn't really care he was traded. I think with Stone, teams wanted didn't want a rental. They wanted right. someone they could they could sign in him being like, I'm not signing with anyone. Yeah. It diminished the value. And like, you know, Brandstrom should turn out to be a solid top four defenseman. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit early to say who won that trade. Yeah. Long term, it's, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I also I also thought Ottawa got a good haul for John Gabriel Pajot this past trade deadline, trading him to the Islanders. I thought that I was definitely surprised that you know Pajot signed that long term deal like right after. I mean, I'm sure it was already signed beforehand, but the fact it was just like wow, he really just like wants to be an Islander long term. And then I saw what the, the the Senators got, and they actually. Considering those two trades, the one, the two ones that I look at are the Carlson trade and then the Pajot trade. They got a lot, you know, for their future that could really help them within the next two or three years. And then you have what? Two first round picks. You have three and you have five and then you have another one, right? We have the Islanders. So anywhere between 28 to 31. Right. So you, so you just like the Devils have three first round picks this year, which is great. I mean, because you have multiple ways of figuring it out. You can either just use it on prospects, which I'm sure three and five is obviously going to be used on somebody oh. in the draft. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've talked about trading down from number five multiple times because, you know, even if, like, let's say a team at like, you know, eight, nine, or 10 want to move up to that five spot. Yeah. You could look at a relatively decent haul, potentially, you know, a high-end prospect, their first round pick, or even just a solid roster player. Like my right. my big one was New York. If New York finished and, and landed in that like 10 or 9 to 12 spot, them moving up to number five would have been a possibility. Get another offensive weapon. Right. There's no guarantee they can afford everyone on the back end. D'Angelo, mm-hmm. right-handed shot. You know, you can question his character and, and whatnot, but I think as a hockey player, he would have suited Ottawa very well. And mm-hmm. that's a that's a team that I think could have that was one team that could have made a move for that number five spot. Yeah. Buffalo's another team that could be in for that number five spot from dropping down from eight uh, to, to draft a guy like, you know, Raymond or Holtz. Yeah. I, I hope Holtz stay. I hope Holtz is there at seven, but you know, I doubt it. I, yes. I, I tried to explain to devil's fans that I think the reality is, is that it's either going to be, it's either going to probably be um, Raymond I feel like he's going to end up being there. Or the only other guy I could think of, uh, which is more of a shot in the dark, is probably Marco Rossi. Because I just don't know what teams see, what what teams think of him. Like, I know I think, us as fans see him, but I don't know what, you know, general managers and scouts see in Marco Rossi. I think, honestly, like for New Jersey, uh, Jack Quinn would probably be your best bet. If it's not a guy like Holtz, at seven I think, or like later on at seven, at seven. Okay. I, mean, yeah. I don't see him being available after the top 10. I think there's going to be a team that picks him between like 12 and, and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he'll drop down outside of the top 10, but I think he's, he'll play well with Hughes or he should. Yeah. And that's the important part. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I might be, I'm pretty sure Hughes and Quinn played together in the Toronto uh, minor system. I think they did. When when Jack Hughes was play, like living in Toronto, I think yes. they played together. Yes, they and did I play some 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 games together. Correct, and I think that can't be ignored as 
you know, they're trying to, I, I know I made a joke on this on the soda pod of being Jack Hughes, not being good enough to make the Olympic roster. Right. But I think if you want to help him improve, right. Getting someone that he's played with before he's had success with before is important. Mm-hmm. And Hugh, and Quinn might be that guy. I, I personally would not mind it. Um, another guy. And again, I know that a lot of fans that I've spoken to are not high on him, but I feel like I am is Jake Sanderson. Like I know, you know, he's, he's arguably the best defenseman in this draft. I don't think there's anybody in front of him. Not that I can think Drysdale. of. Him and Drysdale have to be one, two. That's true. One, one, a one B kind of thing. But I think if you two. look at the reality of it, Sanderson's probably going to be that defenseman that the devils would try to draft if he's there. And if they don't have any other options, they might just go and say, well, he's a, the best player on the board and B he's a position of need. So we might as well just take him. I don't, it's it's easy for me to say, oh, I know Lafreniere is going number one. There's no way nothing else is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen after one. I have no idea. It's just so out there this year that it, because the draft is so deep this year, particularly with forwards, that, you know, there could be a lot of quality guys there at seven and then also at 18 and then at 20 with the pick from Vancouver. Who's like uh... – you you say that there's you know high end forwards which there are you know you think of the top five you have Holtz Raymond Perfetti, uh, Byfield Drysdale Stutzel Rossi right there there's seven guys right there Drysdale could be available at seven right handed shot could nice. pair pair well with either Ball or Smith yeah and having played with both of them for Team Canada at the World Juniors yeah. that's also a possibility and a very good possibility. And I like that you brought up the thing about like, you know, Jack Hughes might have some influence on, you know, who they take at seven if it's, you know, someone like Jack Quinn. Because what's interesting enough is that the Devils, a couple rounds after they drafted Jack Hughes, they actually drafted his teammate, Patrick Moynihan. And the reason that they did that was because Jack Hughes was asked about Moynihan and said, like, what do you think of him? And he gave him, he gave the Devils a full rundown of, you know, everything that he can do, what he needs to work on, yada, yada, yada. And that actually influenced the Devils to taking him in the later round. So I could see that as a possibility that, you know, the Devils could ask some of their younger players like Jack Hughes about certain guys that they they played against and that they have somewhat of a relationship with to kind of make that decision. I know that the Devils just released one of their scouts, um, Orlando, I forgot his last name, but Orlando, um, so the Devils are clearly making moves with regards to, in their own mind, improving their scouting staff. So I'll be interested to see what they decide to do before the draft, which I know is what October 6th, right? They said October 6th is the first round of the NHL draft this year. Yeah, they've moved, uh, they moved the draft to October 6th. Right. So, you know, there is some time between then and between then and now, but obviously there's going to be a, you know, decisions made you know, within the next couple of weeks that we'll, that we'll know about. But I think that the Devils are in a good spot with the fact that we have three first-round picks, which we've never had before in our history. There's a lot of young players that we can have that they don't need to come up to the NHL right away. They can, they can play in juniors or the AHL for a year and then come up. So even whoever we drafted seven, I think there's probably a 75% chance that whoever we drafted seven will probably – most likely make the, the NHL roster, but I think there's always the possibility that they may not. I mean, we drafted we drafted Ty Smith with the 15th overall pick in his draft year, and he has yet to have a single game in the NHL. We have constantly tried 
to allow him to develop more and more. And now I feel like it's put up or shut up for like, okay, you've been developing him, developing him this whole time. Now he has, I guess the pressure for him is that now he really should try to make the roster this year, because I just feel like that they've waited so long for him to, you know, get an opportunity. So, I'm, I mean, I think with, with, for Smith is that he wasn't, they didn't want him playing in a bottom pot impairing role. And that he couldn't be sent to the AHL. Right. I think Smith is now a favorite to land a roster spot. Wasn't he, like the last like two years, wasn't he one of the last guys cut? His the last rookie year, years? rookie year, he was the last player cut. He even traveled with the team overseas to Sweden. Yeah, I remember that. I thought he was that high. And then, the, and then last year, he was again like the second to last cut. So clearly the Devils have been have been wanting to bring him in. But like you said, they probably don't want him to play on the bottom on, the, on one of the bottom pairings. They want him to be a top four defenseman. It's And eventually at least one of your top, you know, your top defenseman on the right side. And I mean, you can play Kevin Ball on the left side, even though he's played mostly right, you can play him on the left side and you could have two very talented offensive-minded defensemen as your top pairing, which I think would be tremendous considering considering what we've, what we've had over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, we also have to look at, you know, expansion, right? Ty Smith not playing up until this season. You don't have to protect him anymore. You know, if he played two right. years ago, he has to be protected now. And right. that's a problem. So, you know, looking at offseason plans, expansion drafts definitely going to be in people's mind because mm-hmm. you don't want to bring in someone and then have to protect him over somebody else. Right. But, you know, for Ottawa, I think this year's draft, we're not drafting three times in the first round. I don't think we're drafting seven times in the first two rounds. I think we're going to see at least three of those picks moved yeah. for an NHL caliber player, either on the back end or a top six player. With that being said, I think we'll see Batherson and Ryan both kind of fit in at that top six line to start the season. Yeah, uh, It's just a matter of who do, who do we slot in at center and left wing, especially mm-hmm. on that second line. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that that makes sense. I think that the Senators are in a situation where, you know, they have a lot of options and having two of the top five picks certainly helps them figure out, you know, where, you know, what certain guys that they really like. And I think it'll be interesting. And then you look at the fact that they'll have a tremendously late first round pick, again, depending on what, you know, do the Islanders get knocked out in the conference finals or do they go to the Stanley Cup finals? We don't know how that's going to go. Um, but I wouldn't be that surprised if, you know, that pick gets moved, especially if there's an offer to maybe get a couple more draft picks or even a player to fit on your bottom six. Uh, It all just depends on what teams are offering. This is going to be such a unique draft because, again, A, it's virtual. You know, nobody's going to be in person doing this. And the other reason is this. Because the salary cap is staying right where it is, there's a lot of teams that are screwed right now when it comes to, you know, being able to keep everybody that they need. So, you know, teams like, you know, the Devils, the Senators, who have a tremendous amount of cap space and, and just space on your roster in general, you have the opportunity to, you know, really take advantage of a lot of teams and get a lot of quality young talent that can help, you know, boost your rebuild um, that much more. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, we there was reports out of Vancouver that, you know, there's no guarantee that Vancouver ownership is willing to spend to the cap. And if that's the case, there has to be something. Does that mean Markstrom's gone? Does that mean they sell Demko and keep Markstrom? Uh, what happens with guys like Besser or Vertanen? 
And Ottawa and New Jersey are in a very big, a very big situation, a very important situation where we can capitalize on these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. We might have to give up what might look like a bigger deal in terms of like draft capital. But, you know, as a Senators fan, giving up a first, a second, and a second or two seconds for uh, Brock Besser and Louis Erickson, I'm okay with. Yeah. I'm okay with taking Louis Erickson's $6 million cap hit yeah, because sure. Brock Besser is going to be a top six player. He's going to be on my first power play unit and he'll probably be top three in points every mm-hmm. year. Yeah, that, that's a that's a very good point. I think that when you look at the situation that some teams have, you, you clearly see that they're going to have to make moves, whether they want to admit it or not. Moves are going to have to be made. I mean, there's and there are some top young players that are supposedly available. Like we don't know how concrete it is that Patrick Line or Nikola Ellers is actually available. They, you know, TSN put out the the trade bait, and look, we have, you know, there's Kyle Palmieri at number six. There's no guarantee that we're going to trade Kyle Palmieri. Now, no, but that's a very interesting at the deadline, depending on where we are. I don't really and but Palmieri has made it clear that he would want to stay long term and be part of the team rebuilding. But if there's an offer on the table where we can get a huge amount of assets for him, it's you I'm gotta sorry. do what's best for the team. I know it like what? I think he's making like just over five million or just that five million. I think it's like five Islanders. and a half. I think it's five yeah, and something more. like that. It's very close, it's very similar to the, the Charlie Coyle contract with Boston. Personally, as much as I like Pajot, that's too much to be paying your third line center. Yeah, and, and that's what comparatively who we have. playing with the Islanders. He's playing on the third line, is he not? He's honestly, I don't even think they have a third line. I think they have no, one they A, should. one B, and one C. At yeah, this they, point. they have different line combinations that they throw out throughout the game. And to be fair, Trotz just plays the hot hand. If you're playing really well, you're going to play. Yeah. If you're playing really poorly, you're not going to play. It's that right. simple with Trotz. Right. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, former New Jersey devil defenseman, Andy Green is playing so much and is playing in in those different roles because he's just been playing very well. And he got in due to an injury, didn't he not? What's up? Wasn't Green at, like he got in because of an injury. Yes. uh, It was actually Ryan Pulak who got hurt. He was their top defenseman. He was out when the, when the Islanders acquired Andy Green. So he had already been playing a bunch. And then when we got back and started the bubble, you know, they kind of were like, well, we want to keep Ryan Pulak, but we also don't want to move Andy Green. So what they did is they moved Andy Green down to the second pairing with Nick Letty. That's not bad. No, it worked. No, he he and Letty work very, very well together. Maybe I really like night, Letty. But they play well together in general. See, I think Tampa is just the team to beat. I think you're finally seeing the, the, the Tampa team that we saw last year. Like, we're finally seeing what they should have done in the playoffs. What they should have done. And they're all and remember they're doing all of this damage without Stamkos. Oh, if Stamkos if Stamkos is in the lineup, I think it's a completely different ballgame for New York. New York's done in four. Right. It just I think that I still think that the Islanders are going to push this series uh, quite long. I don't think it's going to be four. I think that game one was a combination of I think the Islanders are tired because they just finished a seven game series and the Lightning were itching to play. They had, they had sat out for over a week. And they're ready to go. So they were going and Braden Point just just But how much does that really hurt the Islanders though? Like realistically, how much will that actually hurt the Islanders more than just one game? Because you're gonna play you're playing a, a very fresh team and you're yeah. yeah, you you just came off playing game seven, but how refreshed are you gonna be heading game two? You're well, they're on total separate ends of the spectrum in terms of rest. And both Thomas Grice and Varlamov gave up three goals each. 
well, I mean, Varlamov gave up more later on in the game, but still, you had both of your goalies give up three or more goals in that game. So, obviously, it's not a situation for them of, well, who do they feel comfortable? It's going to be more of, well, who's going to be more, you know, getting that out of their mind? I think that was what, um, I think that's what Brian Boucher was saying last night. It was about who's going to get it out of their mind quicker. I think they'll most likely go with Varlamov in game two. I don't think they'll go back to Grice, uh, but I obviously. I don't know what exactly the Islanders are going to do, but if they don't come out and play better in game two, I see this series ending in only four or five, just because the lightning looked like they were trying to end the series in one game, like completely demoralize the Islanders to say, you know what? I don't think we can beat this team. And well, I don't think they did with Boston, didn't they? They came out one game and they just, uh, it wasn't, they didn't put up a lot of points, but like no, no when they blow, when they know when they blew up Boston in what game three, I think it was three or four. four, yeah. And it was just all Tampa from there on out? Yeah. Like, same thing. New York needs to respond. They need to respond well. If not, they're done. It's all about for the Islanders. They like to play low-scoring defensive games because they have that neutral zone trap that they play. So if the Lightning are struggling to figure that out in game two and you're in a low-scoring game, you're playing right into the Islanders' hands. And they're going to find a way to score a couple of goals and it may not be guys like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Matthew Barzell. It may not be those guys. It may be guys like Ryan Pulak, Mayfield, Andy Green, you know, Devon Taze. Guys like that that you don't expect, but they're going to somehow find the back of the net. I think the biggest issue is that the Islanders had chances on the power play and they didn't do it. They couldn't score. They had four or five chances on the power play to get back in that game. If their power play is rolling, they'll be fine. Well, here's but the thing. Get into a high-scoring game with the with the Lightning. I'm sorry, they're going to lose every well, time. What's well, the thing with the the Canucks with the with the Knights in Game Seven? Right. Their power play. You play. You have 11 minutes of power play time. Five minute major, and you get nothing out of it. You're not going to win a game. But the thing is, I think this also shows the level of goaltending that Tampa mm-hmm. has. I think uh, Vasilevsky has is miles ahead. Is probably the best goalie in the playoffs. As great as Leonard has been. At this point, I would say, yeah. Like, as great as Leonard has been, Vasilevsky, I don't think they've played anyone but him. He's played, I think, almost every game outside of, I think, maybe one in the round robin. Well, in the round robin, I think they had either Scott Wedgwood or Curtis McElhaney, which I didn't realize they had, but Curtis McElhaney, um, like, in the third game. uh, Yeah. I think they, they played him one game in the round robin, and it's been all Vasilevsky since. Yeah. comparatively to, to other teams that they've played, you know, both, I think Boston, they had Halak, because I don't think, and Rask. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbus, they had um, Merzlikin. Yep. And then now Islanders, they have Grice and Varlamov. Unfortunately, I think this is where the goaltending just outweighs everything else for Tampa, where it's like Vasilevsky is going to single-handedly be the difference maker. I mean, there was that one save that... Um... Vasilevsky made where I think Pajot, I think it was Pajot, he had a wide open net and Vasilevsky just stuck out the left leg pad and just completely robbed him. And you could see like, you could see that the Islanders slowly but surely were just getting frustrated because the puck wasn't going in the way that they were hoping for. You know, yeah. so that, that was the big thing. Um, I agree with you. I think the goaltending is certainly a huge advantage to the Lightning, uh, you know, because Vasilevsky is playing like a guy that could very well win his second Vezina trophy. I think he has a legitimate shot, but then again, that's a regular season award, so they may give it to... Um, I think Hellebuck wins Hellebuck. that. I think Hellebuck gets that. Yeah, I think, you know, 
Um, but if this series continues to go the way that it's been going, this is going to be a good old-fashioned spanking by the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, it really is going to get ugly really quick. Another example of a team that has had consistent goaltending the entire playoffs has been Dallas with Kudobin. There has to be something. Kudobin has been tremendous in net for them. But I think it, it, it goes without saying that, you know, you can have this tandem during the season, but when push comes to shove, you need that solid A1 goaltender. And I think we've seen it with Vegas, you know, with riding Leonard for the majority of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why Tampa is just so much better is that they know who's going to be in net. Right. It's not a game time decision. It's not a, we'll see how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky is their goaltender. That That's yeah. it. McElhaney is there if he gets hurt. But he has not seen the ice unless he gets hurt. Yeah. Unlike any of the other four teams, it's almost like a game time decision. Oh, who's going to start? Who's going to start? So like with the Islanders, we don't know right now who's starting game two. We probably won't know until five minutes before the game starts. Probably till warm up. Whoever comes out first. It'll probably be like Elliot Friedman that'll tweet out saying like, oh, Varlamov in net for the Islanders. He's like, okay, there we go. You know, that's what, if you, if you see like Vegas Twitter, that's literally how they have to go through every game. They're like, we have no idea who's going to like, even though Flurry played really well in game one and he did not lose that game. Like nope. he was you can't blame the goalie in a one nothing no. loss. It was the first shot of the game. And honestly, that's that, that it was nothing. And after that shot, I don't even think Leonard saves that. That was just a perfectly placed shot between the elbow and the chest. Yeah. I don't see a goalie most goalies not saving yeah. that. It's just it's yeah. a perfectly good shot on Klimberg. Exactly. You gotta tip your hat. Exactly. So, you know, do Vegas Golden Knights fans know who's playing in the next three who's gonna be in net in the next three hours? No, we have we on it. I looked online, there is literally nothing. Pete DeBoer has not said anything yet, and he probably won't until, you know, whoever comes leads the Golden Knights on for warm-ups. That's, like, how we're going to know. And it's probably going to be Leonard, let's be honest. It's probably going to be Leonard right. uh, when we when the game starts. Um, but overall, like, this team, like, Tampa is primed to win the Cup, I think. And the, and the talks of possibly Stamkos being back for the finals – like, I would, I would just tell him, bro, we're going to win the cup without you. So why don't you just sit back? You're done carrying this franchise. Just, to just relax. Just, yeah, just relax. Considering the fact that they have like a two-month turnaround, you know, training camp is supposed to start the middle of November. Yeah, right. Sorry, yeah. Sam Coast. I know you want to play, but like, I'd much rather you ready for December 1st. Yeah. A four-game series that we, we, you'll help. Don't get me wrong. You'll be important. You'll, you'll be a factor, but. We've done it without you. No yeah. offense, but like, I rather you yeah. back for game one. I rather you back for. He knows. He knows. Like, if you think about the years that Stamkos has played for the Lightning, where he didn't have a lot of talent around him, and now this team is deep, like four lines deep, without him playing, he's like, in a way, of course, he wants to play. Like, who doesn't want to play? But in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know, I could just get a cup by just sitting in the stands and watching the rest of this go on and they're doing fine. And, and the more that they win, the less it annoys Stamkos. I'm sure. It's, here's it's here's the thing with the way that Braden point has been playing. He's up for a contract in like two years. Oh, I thought a year. No, I think he signed a two year bridge deal like last summer. Oh, the lightning are screwed. If they don't here, here's the thing. Screwed. I don't think Stamkos I don't think anyone on that team, I want to pull it up real quick, but I don't think anyone on that team has a no move clause. I might be mistaken. I'm going to bring it up real quick, but I if think you have to choose between point. Yeah. yeah so Stamkos has a no move clause. 
Uh, Braden Point needs a contract in the summer of 22. So he has two years left on his bridge deal. He yeah. signed a three-year bridge deal. Okay. Stamkos will only have two years left on his current deal at eight and a half million. By the time, by the time Point needs a new contract. Yeah. Okay. If he is unhealthy, or if he is healthy, what are the chances Stamkos is traded for because of Point? You know, I, I like that we're bringing this up because this is a discussion I think a lot of people have been having over the last couple of days just because of the fact that Stamkos hasn't played at all. And it's like, I kind of compare it, not as much, but I compare it to like Vladimir Tarasenko's situation where the team, you know, albeit they didn't have great success in this postseason, uh, I don't think it was because Tarasenko wasn't playing. Um, I just think they ran into the wrong team at the wrong time, kind of like, how everybody ran into the Blues at the wrong time last year. But Stamkos, I think, is still incredibly talented. Injuries have certainly slowed him down, and that ha- that's going to happen. Um, you make a very good point. I think that the Lightning would really have to consider moving Stamkos if they wanted to keep point, because it's either, okay, you keep an older Stamkos who is closer to the end than he is you know, to being at the prime of his career, Versus Braden Point, who's not even, I don't even think he's in his mid-20s yet. He's 24. He's 24. He's about to reach the prime of his career. And and, he, and if you want to remain competitive after this season, you you really, and especially the way he's been playing in these postseason, you have to, have to give him the money or someone else will. Because the minute that that salary cap goes up again, it goes up a lot, somebody is going to pay for him. And he, I believe he's in UFA at the end of his contract, too. Um, you so know, and, a point. Uh, point. He point. is a – oh, no, he's an RFA. He has arbitration yeah. rates. So that helps. But here's the thing with Stamkos. People are like, he's been hurt, but he's over – he's still over a point-a-game player. He That's has 832 he points. He's 30. He's, he's 30. been in the league since 08-09. He mm-hmm. ranks sixth in scoring in that time. With 832 points in 803 games. He's still an elite player. Like, the only one better than him is Malkin at 885 in 747 games. Only And, and Crosby at 9, 969 at 771. And yeah. Crosby's first because Crosby is just – it's Crosby. Maybe it's just uh, the injuries, and I don't know if you agree with this, but do you feel like that sometimes Stamkos is like the forgotten star in the NHL? 100%. Uh, most like, like most underrated still, star. Oh, yeah, he's playing – oh, yeah, there's Stamkos too. You know, I, I think like if you talk about him, if you, I think if you ask a lot of people, if they rather have Stamkos or Tavares, they'll want they'll pick Tavares. For some reason, I think Stamkos has because he's played in Tampa, and Tampa was such a mediocre, like mediocre franchise when he was there. You know, they were in that transition with yeah. like Cavadier and Saint Louis, and you know, then they dropped. 2011 the was the first year that they kind of got out of the mediocrity. I mean, look, they had Dwayne Rollison as their goalie and nearly got past the Bruins to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, so like, you know, they they've been kind of in that mediocrity. You know, you had that Stanley Cup run with Boucher and and whatnot. Hedman looked like a bust for a little while. Like people were within yeah. like three, and I I never understood that. Um, now he's yeah, one Kucherov, of the top. You drafted Kucherov in the third round. Yeah, like and my thing with Hedman, like my and this is why people I hate when people are like oh like sense fans are like we should trade Branstrom, we should trade Branstrom. Why are we giving up on a twenty one year old defenseman? Why are we giving up on a Does 20? Do have any NHL experience yet? Outside of this year? No. And this year's team sucked. So so that you so you have no legitimate argument to do. And that's the thing, is that like 
people are like, oh, we should give up on a 22-year-old Logan Brown. Personally, I wouldn't be upset if we traded him if it was for a, t- a true top six player. Right. But I wouldn't want to just give him away for nothing. Right. And I think he has too much upside. But look, Stamkos, Stamkos is the understar- an underrated star across the league. Probably the most underrated center in the Ooh. NHL. Ooh. You know, he's people forget also that he's played for Team Canada in the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure he was on both. He was on uh, last team. I think so. I'm gonna. I I know he was on 2014, right? And he was on the 2016 uh, World Cup. Yeah. Um. He's also represented Canada in multiple World Championships. Yeah. I mean, look, Stamco. Like, it's almost like you could write like a. You could do like a whole episode on just Steven Stamkos and just tie like the forgotten star in the NHL. Just because, like, you know, you mentioned it. Tampa, to me, is not a big market in the NHL. Um, just, you know, and that's no disrespect. It's just looking at some of the other cities that we have representing NHL teams, you know, is Tampa one of those that's, like, really, really big? Not not to many. And some people, like, forget about it. And now that Tampa Bay is as good as they are and are definitely favorites to win the Cup, Stamkos is being forgotten about even more. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we for, like we're watching this Lightning team saying, holy crap, they're unbelievable. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Stamkos isn't playing. So uh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, Stamkos wasn't part of the 2014 team. He oh, was yeah. named to the roster and then got hurt. It was that year where he had his foot injury or something where he got yeah. hurt, like in January, right before the Olympics. Right before, he got hurt against the Bruins, right? He like went. Yeah, to- he got hit awkwardly into the boards. Right. And, like, yeah, so he was named to the he was named to the roster, but he didn't actually go. And I think that was the same thing with 2010. I might be mistaken, but I know he was named to the roster for 2014. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, it's just because that's how Saint Louis got on because Saint yeah. Louis was named as his replacement, right. I remember, if I remember correctly. Well, I think Stamkos has a legitimate shot of making 2022. Um, I mean, if he stays healthy and he continues to be a point per game, yes. Um, but he may be bottom six by that point. And honestly, that's fine, though. That's a perfect bottom six. You know, we had this discussion about who's going to be on Team Canada, projected to be on Team Canada by that time. A lot of those guys are going to be much younger than Stamkos, but that doesn't mean that Stamkos still can't provide being a bottom six centerman. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind it either. And I mean, it really also depends. Again, like we talked about this on the Soda Pod what their layout is for team Canada. What kind of team do they want to run with? Yeah. Because I looked up, you know, team Canada just since the 2000, like basically Canadian points since the lot, like 2010 Olympics. Okay. And we have a bunch of them, you know, and if you go uh, just as a, as a whole, we have a lot of them in the top 10. A lot of our top scores, obviously Crosby's leading the list. Right. Giroux's up there too. Giroux's second of Canadian goal scorers and point getters since the 2010, like 2009, 10 season. Oh, wow. So our, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, neither did I. I was surprised yeah, when I saw that, it. That's actually very surprising. I also didn't realize that no one in Pittsburgh history ever played a thousand games for Pittsburgh. Not like, even more. Well, I mean, Marlo Lemieux did have years where he was out the whole year. So. Yeah, but Lemire, like Lemire, I think is the highest, but like Crosby's going to probably be the first one to. Where is to, he at at this point? Uh, Crosby's at like 700 and some. I don't even oh. think Crosby's going to do it. I think Malkin might be the guy closest. <laughs> I didn't hear. I, I just heard. Some rumors about Evgeny Malkin possibly being on the trading block. I think if you're a Pittsburgh, you have to look at it. You have to look at Latang, and, and the only person that 
is untouchable if you're Pittsburgh. It's, it's Crosby, maybe Getzel, and that's yeah. it. I mean, look, clearly we know that Matt Murray or Tristan Jari is out the door. I mean, most we, likely Murray. We yeah, most likely Murray. Um, which I still go back to that article that you brought up like a couple months ago, if you remember. I think I think you brought it up. That was like. Like somebody said to Matt Murray in person that like no matter oh how, yeah his agent no matter how or his old coach his old yeah, junior like, coach no matter how good you'll be you'll never be as good as Flurry it's like but I've won two cups for this franchise all right bet this is like, like and here's the thing Ottawa we need a goaltender we need a goaltender I would take Murray in Ottawa you know what would uh, you give up for Murray that was the question I think two seconds I think if you if Pitt, like Pittsburgh's at such a disadvantage in terms of trade talks. That if someone offers you two seconds for Matt Murray, you have to take it. Like if it's two seconds or a second and a third, you have to take it. They just gave up a first for for um, Kapanen. So they're and that same first was going to Minnesota for Zucker. So they gave up this year's first and next year's first for Kasperi Kapanen and uh, and Jason Zucker. They they clearly do not have. They do not believe in trying to make this team better long term. Like they're they're clearly like we're trying to get we're trying to squeeze out as much of Malkin, Crosby, Latang, and those guys until they just suck. A hundred percent. I mean, it's just, that's the way I look at it. Um, I, if I was Pittsburgh, I would keep Tristan Jari because he proved a lot last year, and I think I know he was on the All Star team, but I don't know if that was just because he had to replace somebody or if he actually got voted in. I don't. Remember. I think he got. I think he got. Uh... Didn't he get uh, he replaced somebody, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He replaced what is it? What was it? Uh who who got hurt? I don't remember. But any but anyway, but like Tristan Jari, I think at this point is the better of the two. I think Matt Murray knows the writings on the wall that he'll most likely be dealt. But I don't think he's gonna be worth as much uh, as he may have been worth a couple years ago. I, I think, don't even know if Jari's worth much. He hasn't proven anything oh, outside of one year. Neither one of these guys is worth the first. That's for sure. No, but I mean, personally, as a Sens fan, is trading a late first any better than trading a mid-second? No. Absolutely so, not. Or early so, second. Because you basically are like, oh, here's a first-round pick, technically. Yeah, right. so like, if I'm Ottawa and I look at like, okay, you know what? All it will take is like a first and a third. I'll trade you my Islanders' first-round pick and a third-round pick. Be done right. with it. Hell, and if the Islanders were to come... the first-round pick again, and that's fine with them. If the Islanders were to come back and win the cup, I'll trade you the Islanders 30 for like I'll trade you 31st overall yep. and their 2023rd round pick for Matt Murray. That, I think that's a pretty legit deal. I don't think a lot of people would complain about that. Because I mean, even look, obviously you can find gems in the draft all throughout. Not Kucherov, just off Stone, Peugeot. Obviously, you know. But if you have an opportunity to make your team better immediately um, by adding someone like Matt Murray. I think you got to do it, especially if the offer, because the offer is going to be good in your favor anyway. You're getting the better of the deal because, yeah, they're getting two picks, but there's no guarantee that those two picks are going to be like once in a generation talents, you know, or even just like top six. Right. Exactly. That would be the best case scenario for Pittsburgh. So, you know, obviously that would be a good move, um, you know, but I, I really don't have any sympathy. For, for Pittsburgh, um, if they start sucking, if this really is the end, beginning of the end, I'm more than happy about that because, you know, when they when they were playing when they were playing Montreal and they started coming back, I was like, 
don't tell me the Pittsburgh BS is going to happen again. Where they're just going to pull this out of their, this could pull this out of their ass, and then they're going to go and you know dominate. But they didn't, and I'm like, okay, they traded a bunch of stuff away for Cap for Kasperi Kapanen. They clearly don't believe in their future. So when is that going to like? When is the other shoe going to drop? I don't know. Like my thing is that they traded their best prospect plus a first round pick for Jason Zucker. Like Kale Addison's probably their best prospect, especially on the back end. Yeah, and they traded him for for they, Jason. They don't have anything. They don't have a future. Like, honestly, no. Pittsburgh is probably what, and, and this is why I'm happy that we didn't get Lafreniere, because you have these players and they create some sort of uh, mirage, like kind of some sort of fantasy that, like, as long as these guys are on the team, they're going to be great, and you don't have to worry about it, and that like you'll be able to fix the problems when they retire. Right. And that's not going to be the case. I think we see we saw it with New Jersey, or not with New Jersey. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of did with New Jersey when they drafted Nico Heischer. Uh, you know, they kind of just put band aids on it, and instead of admitting that, like, you know, maybe we should just look at a rebuild. Uh, right. I think they, realistically, we saw it with the, the Rangers. Do, they tried to do something like, um, like David Gettleman was trying to do with the Giants early on uh, as the GM of the New York Giants. He was like, "Oh, we're trying to compete, but also rebuilding, and you can't do both." You got to do one or the other. You have to make that decision. And that was the whole thing I always say. Ray Shiro, the only, one of the only things he did wrong, other than hiring John Hines, was that he never made it clear as to what exactly we were trying to do as a franchise. Are we building or are we trying to become a Stanley Cup contender? That's why I like Tom Pichero because he's like, no, we're going to rebuild and that's how we're going to do it. And it's like, great. Now all of our expectations could be we're doing everything with regards to being a rebuild. So we're like, so Pete, so some fans are like, oh, let's try to go get Patrick Liney or Johnny Gaudreau. And I'm like, see, the problem with that is that if we have to give up a boatload of assets, it's not worth it because then we just go against exactly what we just said. So if Patrick Line, if the Winnipeg Jets are like, I want like one of your first, probably either 18 or 20 um, for and, and a second and maybe Damon Severson for Liney. I may not be so willing to do so. But since, again, just like the Senators, the Devils will have a lot of advantage in the negotiations because they have the cap space and these teams don't. If the Devils can make a move where they only have to give up maybe a couple of second and third round picks, I'm not going to argue it unless you can also guarantee that you can sign someone like Line A long term. Because you're not just doing that just to get him for a year. You're doing it because he's 22. He fits into the same age group as everyone else you're trying to rebuild with. And you better give him the money, whatever that is. Oh, 100%. And I think this is where Ottawa and New Jersey are at somewhat different ends of a rebuild. Because we are expected to somewhat compete this year. Not necessarily make the playoffs, but definitely finish in that like mm-hmm. 10 or 11 to, to 15 spot kind of way. Yeah. That's kind of where we want to fit in that like draft spot. We want to be... Close to the playoffs, not close to the lottery. You want to, you want to, well, first of all, the biggest thing is you want to just show progression. Yeah. And I think we show, like, our progression was stumped this year. Like, we were a lot better team that showed on paper because of the injuries. Right. You know, say what you want, but like, when we have four of our defensemen, four of our regular defensemen out at one time, yeah. uh, you know, both our goalies were hurt at, at one time periodically mm-hmm. together, uh, you know, Losing White and and Ryan and then you know people were in and out of the lineup. The 
all season. Like that hurts. You can't, you, there's no rhythm to the season. Um, and I think this year we're going to make a move. That's a competitive move, but not going to impact the long-term goals of the team. Exactly. So like I could see them, you know, I could see them trying to maybe sign a free agent goalie if they feel comfortable with one of them or making a move for said goalie, because I think, you know, I don't really know if they feel like they need a goalie of the future, like a franchise goalie, or they just want to have two like solid goaltenders. So I don't really know. I mentioned the fact that like, I don't know how wild you would be about this, but I actually mentioned like maybe somebody, if you're looking for a veteran, maybe someone like Thomas Grice. <laughs> yeah, actually I, you know what I'm well, I mentioned that like, so Anders Nielsen's still under contract, but all he's reports, still league. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, he, he's under he's, on the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, no, he, uh, he just, he got a concussion last year and he's not, he hasn't been cleared yet. Like he's still not cleared for hockey activities. Oof. So, Ottawa historically has been, you know, we did the same thing with MacArthur. MacArthur had to get cleared by like five different doctors before wow. he could return to the to play. You know, okay. he had to get returned by the NHL doctors, team doctors, yeah. and like four different, like three of his other own doctors. Yeah. Uh, so Ottawa is very cautious when it comes to head injuries. I wouldn't be surprised if we have to go out and get a goalie because Nielsen's not ready to play. Yeah. And Grice is a beautiful example of a goalie that I would love in Ottawa. To help with Hogberg, because Hogberg showed that he could be another one, number one goaltender. According to Hockey Reference, he had like ten quality starts and only three really bad starts. And for a goaltender, a twenty-five-year-old goaltender who's been thrown into a fire and behind a very bad defensive team, that's really good. Sounds very similar to, to the Devils' situation. So sounds, sounds very similar, unfortunately. Yeah. So a goaltender like Grace would help solidify all that. Yeah. And give Hogberg that nice cushion behind him a uh, nice little tandem but the other option is you know his age you know why not go after a guy like murray who's younger you know that's a tandem you guys can work together for the future you have two 26 year old goaltenders for the future and then sure. you have guys like mandalozzi sogard and gustafson in the in the minors you still have to worry about decord but you have those the base yeah. the foundations of goaltenders for your future so there's a I think it all just depends, you know, look, we can't go into the mind of organizations and general managers and say, oh, this is what we know that they're absolutely thinking. We really don't know. We don't know what they're discussing. We don't know where they truly feel. Whenever you see a move your team makes, you have to think of it in this regard and say, okay, are they doing this for the rebuilding purposes? Are they doing this to try to make our team better immediately? You know, so if they bring in Thomas Grice, what I would consider that move to be is twofold. One is that I think it would certainly help your goaltending be a little bit better just as a whole, because Thomas Grice can be a very reliable backup goalie that can win you 15, you know, 15 to 18 games. I think that would, I think that's fine. The other is to help, you know, you know, give some pressure off of and help progress, you know, your, your starting goaltender. So that's the thing like here, here with the devils, you know, the big thing that we're unfortunately in the situation with is that I think if we didn't have Corey on the six-year deal for the next two or three years, we probably most likely would have either cut – we probably would have released him at this point because I think the Devils would want to have more than one goalie that they can rely on. Not just Blackwood, but they don't want Blackwood to play like 65 to 70 games next year and have to stand on his head. They don't want that because they know that he'll regress poorly by the time – the Devils get good. 
and then we're back to the same point that we were two, three years ago. Like, it's just, we don't want to go down that road again. So it, it all just depends on what the organization feels is the right decision to make. And then you just have to kind of evaluate it from that point. And you have to kind of, when you see a move, you have to try to think like the GM or whoever and try to see what they're thinking. And maybe it'll make sense and maybe it still won't, but it all just depends on what the move is. 100%. And I think with the draft, you know, about a month away now, free agency is going to follow shortly after. Yeah. A lot of moving pieces, yeah. especially it's a short off season too. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be rapid fire. More guys are going to be moved this off season than we've probably seen in the last 10 years. Probably. And that's just because I think draft. I think the draft is going to be very important. Yeah. And I think you're going to see, and look again, we only, we, there's still four teams that are not focused on next season yet. Like there's still work. They're still competing in the playoffs. They're going to be done. And then almost like a week later, or even less than that, boom, they're right into the draft. Well, here's the thing. I think ownership and management is definitely looking at the draft. The players, they don't care. But I think, you know, if you're, if you're Lou Lamorello or, you know, McPhee or the guys out in Dallas and in Tampa, I can't remember their names, you know, uh, you're looking at the draft. You're looking at, you know, you know you're going to finish between 28th and 31. Right. Now, who's going to be, like, I mean, the Islanders, Lou Amarillo doesn't care. He doesn't have a pick. But, you know, Vegas, uh, Tampa, and Tampa doesn't even, I don't think even has a pick either. Nope. They uh, uh, they gave their first-round pick to um, San Jose for Goudreau, Jose, right? Yep. For Barkley so, Goudreau. Yep. Yeah. So, like, those two teams, they don't need to worry about it. But Dallas and Vegas both have their first-round picks. So, they're still in the okay you know we're here we're, we're in the playoffs we're we're battling for a cup but we still have to look at where we're going to potentially land yeah might be potentially available who fits where we want to do and they're also looking at their team being like okay what holes do we have right where can we're going to be looking at guys like all right who do we most likely think we're going to have to end up moving for so-and-so reasons so like vancouver could be looking at their situation right now and saying how can we get louis erickson offered off the off the books, even if, if they want to do that, because we don't know if they want to do that. I mean, I don't think he, I think he was a healthy scratch for most of the playoffs. So I think they do, but I think it means that you're packaging him up with like a, a Demko or a Besser or a Vertanen and you're not getting that great of a return. No. You, you, yeah. And the expectation for a lot of these teams is that they're not going to get a return. That's going to be one that's going to be in their favor, but they're going to have to do it because they have, they are thinking about their team long-term. You know, you have a young, talented core in Vancouver. You may unfortunately have to give up one of those pieces just so that you can still keep the rest of the core. So it's like you may have to give up Besser just to make sure you can still keep, you know, long-term Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, you know. And there's still the thing is that you want, you know, you want Pearson and Toffoli. So, like, you want those two guys, but you have right. these guys under contract. Yep. So these two guys need to leave if you want these two guys to stay. So like exactly. there's so much player shuffling. Ottawa, New Jersey, and all like even Colorado. Colorado's in an amazing position. They're gonna be competitive. They have a bunch of cap space for yeah. the next couple of years. Yep. Hell, I would trade so I if I'm Colorado, if I'm Joe Sackick, I'm calling, you know, Benning, uh Benning, Benning in Vancouver. In Benning, yeah. And being like, what will it take? We'll take Louis Erickson. Don't worry, we'll take. But what? What do? We, what? What else what are we gonna want, grab for? What do you want for Besser, right? Or something. like what? Like we'll take if he's willing to come because he still has a no move clause, so he has to accept a trade. Mm-hmm. And I think Erickson would. I think if Erickson were to be traded, he would accept it to almost anywhere. Right. 
So if I'm Colorado, I have the cap space. I'm like, hmm, I'll take Erickson, but I want Bess. It's it's, it's going to be a very fascinating. Um, you know, I think Colorado, and I mentioned this before, because some people were asking me like, oh, you know, where do you think Taylor Hall will go? And I'm like, well, first of all, he's not part of the Devils anymore, so I really don't care where he goes. Like, I, I really don't. But if you were to ask me, I think the two teams logically that I think he would go to is probably Colorado. I think I think that the I think the Avalanche would actually entertain it because again, Taylor Hall's not coming in to be the savior of that team. He's coming in to help out guys like Miko Rantanen. Like he's not there to He's gonna be the Phil Kessel. Right. Like what Phil Kessel was to Pittsburgh, Hall will be to Colorado. Right. Or uh, another guy that I met another team I mentioned was probably Montreal. I know that Montreal has thought highly of him, and I feel like, you know, the Habs, you know, they always want to try to get, like, you know, a golden And there's ball. also talk that, like, Domi and, you know, Deneau both want out. So, like, you know, that's also a team that's in an interesting spot. Because those two – a lot of movement. It's going to be a lot of movement. Ottawa and New Jersey are going to have amazing time yeah. with it. I and, and it's – I'm not trying to – you know, the thing is that I also tried to warn Devils fans, and I'll warn, like, hockey fans in general – don't try to have too high expectations, especially when you're in a rebuild, because it doesn't mean that, you, you know, you, your team might be rumored to get a star player or a guy who could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen. So people said, oh, what about Johnny Gaudreau to the Devils? And I'm like, well, Johnny Gaudreau is in his 30s. Um, is he actually in his 30s? 30s. He's going to be, I think he's going to be 30. No, I think he's 28 now. I think he'll be 30 by the time the Olympics rolls around, but he's 28 at the moment and he has two years left on his contract. So if the devils were to get him, you, you would have him for more than one year, but is the team ready to compete now with a guy like him? No, that's why I brought up. That's why I brought up Patrick Lani because if the devils were to make a move, it makes sense because his age falls into everybody else's everybody else that we're trying to build with, you know, Jack Hughes, Nico, Jesper Bratt, you know, um, Nikita Gusev, guys like that, you know, he fits into that young core of guys that by the time we get good again, he's in the prime of his career. So is Nico. So is Jack Hughes. So is all those guys. So that would make more sense to get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. By the time we get good, he's like in his early thirties. Yeah, 27. He just turned 27. He just turned 27. Um, you know, does he fit? You know, no. So I would say the Devils fans don't, don't get your hopes up if the Devils don't make any sort of mind, you know, you know, mind blowing move this offseason. They may not trade for anybody. They may yeah. make a trade to help out their AHL team. You know, they might try to get a young player like they did with Yanni Kwokinen from Carolina. But as far as getting a big name player, unless the deal works in the Devils' favor, don't expect the deal to actually happen. A hundred percent. And I think, and I think that's the thing that Ottawa fans need to realize is that like, as much as we love talking trades, there's no guarantee that there will be a trade, right? There's no guarantee that a trade will materialize exactly. Exactly. Uh, that will help our team, right? Like mm-hmm. help the, the culture, the, the room impact. But, you know, I think, you know, Hall's a very interesting player because I don't know how a rebuilding team would how he would work on a rebuilding team. But I also think he can go in and disrupt a locker room. I don't know how well he would fit in Colorado. You know, I, I really don't know how well he would mesh with the boys in Colorado. I think he would yeah. be better suited in a team like St. Louis. Hmm. I don't. And, and I think it's just more of like the discipline. 
I don't know how disciplined Colorado is in terms of their overall like structure, but I think Bednar isn't as disciplined as Berube it is. Show, it didn't show in Game Seven against Dallas, that's for sure. That's that is true. You let it. You let a guy in his first game in the playoffs score three goals. So, including think, the game winner in overtime. So I don't know if there was much structure going on there. Yes, and I think that's the thing. Is that like I think Hall is one of those guys that if he gets away with a, if you're if you're soft on him. And it's like Kessel. If you're soft on him, he kind of starts to withdraw. He stops starts to carry. He stops going 100%. Yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with that because I think the Taylor Hall situation, you know, relationship with the Devils was kind of um, somewhat of a love and hate thing. I'm sure, You know, look, we all loved him when he won the Hart Trophy and we made the playoffs, clearly. Like, but after that, he got hurt. He wasn't playing well either. It wasn't like he was blown, you know. And then this, during the beginning of this year, you know, he was, he was like calling out Devils fans. Like, you know, I remember he scored a goal against the Flyers, I think it was, and he put his, he put his hand up to his ear like this, like I don't like, you know, boo me now. And it was just like, all right, you know what? Like, you didn't have to do that, but okay. Um, Taylor Hall is not a, is not a superstar by any means. He might be more in the category of a star if you want to put it in that category. Skill wise, he's a star. Yeah. Let's not get a twist. He's not, his nine, he's not worth eight, nine million dollars like everybody thinks he is. I remember, no. I remember, I think I, I was on a tip of the iceberg a couple weeks ago and they asked me the same question. I said, I think Taylor Hall's worth more in the five, six million dollar range. Than, oh, 100%. Like I would like, cap out at seven. Five now. or six of you nuts. And I'm like, well, you have to take into consideration that it, it's kind of looked like on paper that his skills have been declining on paper. And also the attitude that apparent, you know, like he could be a locker room cancer makes you wonder. And look, his agent has been such a hard ass because he was like, oh, we're not going to talk about a long-term deal until after the season. That put that put the Devils in a no-win situation. We had to trade him by, at that point. We had yeah, 100%. Point. We made the right decision to move on from him because we got some really, you know, look, we got a first and we got a Kevin Ball and even Nick Merkley who played a couple of games in New Jersey. And was really good. So we got a pretty decent deal considering the player that Taylor Hall is. So when you're in that situation, you have to look at all those factors and say, does he fit with our team? Will he fit in our locker room? And does he want to be here? Does he want, you know, and do we want to get, and how much money are we willing to give him? And in this year with the salary cap staying where it is, I don't think he's getting anywhere close. I think he maxes out at like six and a half. If I were him, I would do like what some of these guys in the NFL are doing and take a one-year deal from somebody and just prove it again and then just wait till next year. Yeah. That's the way I, I look at it. You, I, like, you, have guys like, you have guys like Jadavion Clowney who just took a one-year deal from the Tennessee Titans. If he balls out, that man is just going to get a crap load of money next offseason. And here's the so, thing. With, with Seattle, that's an extra team. You know, things can work in your favor. Right. So it's just it's interesting to see what happens with the the last couple the next couple of weeks as team like as teams kind of figure out what their plan is once yep. they kind of solidify dates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we before we end the show, uh, just one one last thing. I know we were supposed to get to the Olympics, but that didn't happen. No, nope. um, we'll have to get back onto that. I know I know the guys uh, at Soda Pot wanted back on to, yeah, to get on for another segment. Um, but one last question. Go ahead. 
who do you think would be a prime candidate for New Jersey to go after via free agency or trade this offseason to make themselves better now and in the long term? That's a really good question. I actually have two players, if that's okay. I have two yeah. players that I think of. Um, Max Domi would be one of them. I think Max Domi would fit perfectly on the left side of Jack Hughes on the second line. I feel like he would help, you know, because Max Domi is a scoring winger. In my, I know he played center a lot more this year. So people are like, why would we go after another centerman? It's like, well, he's not really a centerman. He's more of a left wing. He's more of a wing player. And he could shoot. He has a nose for the goal. He could put the puck in the back of the net. He proved it even in a down, even in a year where he didn't put up as much, you know, scoring, he could still do it. So he would be a good guy. Um, the other guy, and this is like, he's still like number one on my list, and that is Patrick Lyman. I mean, th- and the reason that I say that is primarily because of the fact that he is a guy that can score 40 plus goals. I mean, we've seen it. He's 22 years of age, which fits perfectly with the core of our team. And we have more than enough money to sign him to get a deal done for Jesper Bratt, who's an RFA right now. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood as well. We have enough money to to do all that. Um, do I think we'd have to give up a lot? We probably would have to give up one of our NHL ready defensemen. So I mean like Damon Severson or someone like that would probably have to be involved in that deal. But I would say Max Domi would be the the move that would be also good and it would probably cost us a lot less considering pro- it just depends on how Montreal values Domi you know we don't you know we know that Winnipeg needs defensemen their defense is atrocious there is no question they need defensemen now and for their future so the Devils may decide well we'll give you like a Damon Steverson um and we'll give you maybe the 20th pick you know because you'll have I don't think when I don't think Winnipeg has their first round pick this year. No, I think they do. I think they have one. I think they do. That would give them two first round picks, and they could use both of them to get defensemen. So it 100%. helps them now, and it helps them in the future. I, you know, does Line want to leave Winnipeg? Well, it looked like that last year. It I think like he does. He did not want to be there. I don't think he, I mean, he signed a bridge deal, but I do. I don't think Winnipeg is going to be able to afford him either this year or next year you know, with regards to giving him a long-term deal. So I would so I would say Domi and Line would be the two guys that I would love. Um, do I think they'll get either one of them? I think they'll try to get one of them, and it probably won't work out because it may be too big of a price. And the Devils, because of the fact that we're trying to rebuild our team, we're trying to make our team deep and young for a long time, we may not want to give up assets. It all depends on what they're what these teams are looking for and again i always remind fans of this just because your team didn't make the move doesn't mean they didn't try to because sometimes the report doesn't come out it doesn't say like we i didn't know the devils were trying to get casper Kapanen until three days after the penguins had already got him that's when pierre lebron said oh the devils were one of the teams that called it was like Oh, well, that's the thing is that there was a report that Ottawa made it, like kicked tires on, is with one of like the six or seven teams right. that have kicked tires on Matt Murray. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, the Devils could be on the phone right now in Calgary talking with talking with the Flames about like what do they want for Johnny Gaudreau. They may say, "Oh, we want so and so and so," and then Kompachev could be like, "Go shit in a hat," and that's the end of the that's the end of the conversation. You know what I mean? Like. The, the the analysts and the guys that report on this stuff, 
They don't get everything that goes on. They're not there all the time. So they don't know. So as much as I would love to see the Devils get one of those guys, they may not get them because of the price. And that's okay. Because if we just end up using our three first-round picks on players, I'm not really complaining that much. Because at least then we have one in three chances of one of those guys being being an NHL player in the future. So a hundred percent. That's how I look at it. But Max Domi and Patrick Line would be the two guys I would I would put at top of my list. I mean, both good guys. I mean, I think Line would play well again. It's all about matching him up with Heisher Hughes, and that's kind of who New Jersey is looking to go for. Heischer, if you match him with Nico, Nico plays defense. Line does not. We've already like it's clear as day that Line does not want to play defense. He's not, you know. But if you have a D, a two way centerman paired with a full-time offensive sniping goal scorer, I think that's going to work out beautifully, in my opinion. Okay. okay. I, one thing I wish they uh, Winnipeg did more was pair Shifley with Line, because Line reminds me a lot of Solani. And I think putting him with Heischer, Heischer reminds me a lot of Korea. Move the puck Ooh. really well, good defensively, he can score but he can get scores the puck. Right. And he can find the he can find the scores. If you can put Line and Heischer they're 100%. So you can put Line with Heischer, it looks a lot like a Korea Solani duo right there. I would hey, if that's in if that if they get Line and that's what it becomes, sign me up, man. I'm like I'm ready. So um, I think New Jersey Line makes a perfect combination even with Hughes. I think you pair him yeah. up with either of those two, you're getting that kind of duo out of those two. Jack Hughes to me seems more like a scoring sentiment. Like I saw plenty of times this year where he just like, he just shot the puck and, and like, he clearly has nose for the goal. So I don't know if he would be, I don't know if, if he would work well just because you'd have two scoring uh, guys on one pairing line. I would rather they have like at least one defensive player. And I don't know who would you put on the left side of, um, of Hughes. I don't know yet. Um, you know, it could be somebody that we drafted that's in our system that becomes a top six forward um we don't know but um i guess i would ask the same question to you with regards to ottawa who who is maybe your top guy or two that you see ottawa that that really would be great to go to ottawa so personally i don't i don't think we need to make any deals i don't like personally as much as i like if you go on my twitter there's always deals i always talk about trades because you, i like talking about you trades put, you put it not only you take it to the point where you actually put like an offer on the on the table and it's like all right who says no yeah, and I, I just enjoy it. I don't think that Ottawa needs to make a trade to be competitive. If they feel like Nielsen isn't uh, ready to play, right? I don't feel confident in bringing, having a Hogberg to Cord Gustafson 1-2-3. I also don't feel confident with bringing Craig Anderson back. I think he's too old. I don't think he could be a solid backup to Hogberg. I love Anderson. I think he's great, but I think his time has come to just retire. Yeah, I agree. So number one on my list is a goalie. I don't care if it's Demko, Markstrom, Grice, Just, Murray. It's not Braden Holpe. Honestly, even Braden Holpe. Really? If if the money's right, he's not going to yeah, get like $8 million. He wants like $8, 9000000 million. Would you really want to give him? He's not million? getting it in this situation. I know. Nobody's getting, nobody's getting $8, 9000000 million. So honestly, if Holpe wants to sign a one-year deal, hell, one-year $8 million deal, totally okay with it. Totally okay with it. We have the cap space, so why not? One year, $8 million deal. Two year, $8 million deal. Cool. Leave him exposed for Seattle. I'll protect Hogberg. I don't care. Right. Um, as, but goaltender would be on my list. 
but then it would be a top six winger. Uh, I think people like white was injured. He was off and on all year, but he had six goals in his last five games before the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Yep. You know, if he can stay healthy, he can be a top six center. I yep. think, you know, we have Josh Norris and Logan Brown in the system. You add in a guy like Shane Pinto that's in North Dakota. I'm not really like, I'm not really focused on a center and, you know, we're probably going to draft Stutzel or Byfield. So that's going to add to it. We need a legitimate top six winger. Uh, as much as I like Batherson, I Bath, Batherson and Ryan, I don't think Ryan is going to be here after his contract. Ryan's probably more on bottom six, in my opinion. That's just, I, I mean, I, I don't know I, him as well as you do. So I, I think a healthy Bobby Ryan as a top six winger can produce like 50 plus points. Cause that's what he was producing when he came to Ottawa originally. Right. Boucher put him to a bottom six role. His point, like if you look at his time on ice right. and his production, they correlate with his time on ice drop, his production dropped. Right. Um, him and, and Ryan Kachuk worked really well together this year. Yep. So I think DJ Smith will go back to that combination. It'll depend on who's in the middle. I like Batherson. Left okay. side, we have Kachuk and maybe Duclair. I don't know if Duclair really slots in at that second line left winger spot. So getting a, a, a top six winger would be high on my priority list. Getting a guy like Besser would be fantastic. Well, that was actually going to be like the follow-up question. Is there anybody specific that you're looking at or that you would say, I think this is the guy that Ottawa should go for? Or is it more of just like whatever we can get is great? I don't think it's whatever we can get. I think a guy like Besser, he's a complimentary piece. He can play well with, you know, Tierney, Nora, whoever we have in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. He's a power play guy. He can even play penalty kill. And I think that's important. But I don't think it's a trade that we go out and make unless the yeah. deal's right. That makes uh, sense. I don't, like outside of Line A, like as much as I like Line A, I don't think he'd benefit Ottawa. Uh, as much as the scoring touch will, I think we need a guy who can play defense. That's yeah. kind of whole DA system. So Besser seems to fit that bill. Uh, you know, uh, Johnson out of Toronto is another yeah. guy that you can kind of you know kick the tires at history Would with DJ. Smith. The tires for someone like Tyson Berry or no? As a as a defenseman, as a yeah. We have that right spot open. We have Zub and Zaitsev on the right pairing, but we don't really have anyone else. Barry's an interesting one. I think Barry could slot in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're like you're more likely to maybe make a trade with uh, Carolina. How you know Carolina? As much as they love Doggy Hamilton, I saw I, Doggy Hamilton as one of those guys apparently on the trade, and I was like, Yeah, he would up Doggy Hamilton. So like. I don't know. I feel like if Dougie Hamilton, D'Angelo, there is guys available at a right-handed yeah. spot. You know, Brainstrom likes to play on the right side. Uh, you know, we also have Bernard Docker and Thompson who are coming in. So I don't know if they're willing to put a lot of money into that spot. You know, Peter Angelo, if he goes to free agency, Ottawa better kick tires on them. I, I think that if Petrangelo goes to free agency, which I think he will, I think he'll, I, I know that he's reported like he's really working on a deal with, with, with St. Louis right now, I think he'll just be like, all right, well, let me just go see what happens here. Let me see what, let me see what teams are willing to offer. And then we'll come back to you guys. Well, here's another thing. Colton Pareko out of St. Louis, another right-handed shot. Could we take him on, but adding a guy like Alexander Steen or adding a guy like Tyler Bozak? Steen or Peron is going to be the guy that, that St. Louis would want to give to whoever in addition to whoever they like. So if they say, We'll give you Vince Dunn, but you also have to take on David Perron's four and a half million dollars. It's like, all right, bet, give us that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Peron's... I think it's going to be between Bozak. Peron can still play. It's not like he, he can't come in and help. But I think Bozak and Steen are the two guys that they look to move. I think they like Peron. He plays well with O'Reilly, so I don't see him being moved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would take Pareko if I can get... like Even if it means taking on one year of Bozak, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think we have three, like there are holes in Ottawa's system, yeah. but I don't think they are big enough holes right now to make an unnecessary trade. I think goaltending though is our number one priority. Yeah. I would also say um, that I think the Devils would benefit from getting a veteran defenseman to just help out with the, with the now. I mean, we're going to have probably one or two. Or a wiki. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's if I swear to God, I, I'm I'm not upset that we're not keeping him. I think you know, if there are teams at a flat cap, he's a low, he'll probably only cost a million and a half dollars. Yeah. That's a perfect for a bottom pairing defenseman, that's more than perfect. It all depends on I think it I think a lot of it depends on I feel like I feel like getting a veteran defenseman would be the last move that the devils were to make. That would be like the last move that they would make because I think that they would want to really have Guys like Ty Smith and Kevin Ball really give you know give them an opportunity to make the team, and I think I think at least one of them will probably Ty Smith, uh, but Kevin Ball could very well make it. And the fact that the dude is like six eight, six seven, I mean, he's a beast. He'll throw his body around, and he's not. And he goes, "Oh, I'm trying to work on being more physical." I'm like, "Wait, you're not already that point?" I'm like, "Okay, this kid's awesome." Like it just right away, you just sit there. So I think. A veteran defenseman would be good. Maybe a bottom six if we don't have enough young guys that that can come up. But yeah, hundred percent. The re- the reality is that in training camp we're gonna have a ton of 18, 19, 20 year old guys competing for bottom six, you know, defensive roles on this team. A hundred percent, and I think that's what makes this year interesting for Ottawa fans too. Yeah. Is you know you can like outside of the the. Brown, Tierney, Duclair. We have all these young guys that you have to find roster spots for. So trying to make a roster, like, you know, unless you're assuming that a guy like Anisimov, Ryan, they're gone, it's hard because you also have a guy like Jace Howerluck, who's like 24, who had, I think, like seven points in 11 games since, like, since arriving in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. DJ seems to like him. Pierre seems to like him. Wouldn't be surprised if they work out a deal as a bottom six forward. Yeah. So, like, we'll have guys. Belleville should still be good. Belleville should still be a relatively competitive team in that division. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting because we don't want to take players and put those guys in Belleville for whatever reason, if they're not, if they're not, if they're ready for the NHL. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's a problem when you have a lot of really young players that are not making a team that's rebuilding and you have space. Like that's the only, that's the only thing you don't want to do. You don't want to just send down guys just for the sake of like, we still need you to develop yada, yada, yada. It's like, if they're the best option that you have, put they're them the out. best option. Just put them out there. Exactly. And, and that's why I don't see Ottawa using all seven picks because we already have a stuff. Like, that's like having your cupboards full of food and then going out and buying more food. Right. Like I understand, oh, you can never have too much food. You can because things start to go bad. Right. And that's exactly what happens if you have a stockpile of prospects. You know, if you have 15 guys who can play t- like top six minutes, where are you going to do with all these guys? Only right. six of them can play. So you send some over to Europe. You send some back to the OHL, CHL, whatever. Some of them mm-hmm. stay in college. They develop, but 
during that time, you're still bringing in picks. Exactly. You're going to, there's some things that are going to go bad. Yeah, I agree. And that's why Ottawa can't afford. I would honestly, I would be okay trading all but the first like three and five. I'd be totally okay with it. I will keep three and five. I will trade all five others. I think three and five are definitely like untouchable. I think everything else could be totally up for grabs if there's a deal in place, if there's a deal on the table that works. A hundred percent. But, you know, we, we've ran longer. I mean, it is called Sense yeah. Hour for a reason. It's almost yeah. Sense Hour and a Half. Um, yeah, right. Sense Hour and a Half. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but hey, this is what happens when Neil and I talk and we don't have a mediator being like, guys, shut up and let's get let's get this yeah, over no, we with. Don't have, we don't have Bayou anymore. Fire, Isha. Uh, we don't have yeah. being like, guys, you need to, let's go. We have a, we have a time. Yeah. But thank you, Neil, for coming on. Uh, let the listeners know where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow us at Devil's State on Twitter, at Devil's State of Mind on Instagram. And we have a Facebook page, Devil's State of Mind, to keep up to date with all, you know, things New Jersey Devils. Uh, we talk about, you know, rumors. You know, we just heard today that Mark Recchi just got hired as an assistant coach to Lindy Ruffs. So that's a that's a pretty, I would say it's a pretty exciting hire. He seems to be, seems to have a pretty good track record. Um, so that, that's a good thing. Uh, you can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. This was a blast. And uh, I'm always I'm always looking forward to uh, coming on and chatting about, you know, whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, honestly, I'm not going to lie. When I thought like the MVP, I like I, I thought it was for something else. I didn't realize that it was kind of like your like your name. Like, yeah. Well, so I, mean, I was just like. I thought yeah. it was like a play on like MVP at first. It is, well, it's partially a play on a play on as well. So yeah, I, it actually, um, I used to I used to have a show down in South South Jersey. It was a sports talk TV show for like a half hour called the MVP Show. Uh, so that's what I, I kind of went off of that. So that's my that's pretty sick. So, uh, but again, guys, thank you for listening. You can find me at uh, Shane underscore Ryan ninety seven. Uh, sends underscore hour on Twitter and on Instagram. We're going to be posting a lot there and you can follow my CFL podcast, 13th man pod on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. We are going to be redoing that one a little bit. So stay tuned, interesting stuff here and there, Uh, but we will catch you back here next week with a brand new episode of sends hour. We'll be back weekly too. We're back to posting regularly. I'm excited. Every Monday. That's going to be great. And look, hey, we're we're less than, we're less than a month away from the draft, so now we finally have things we could actually talk about. Oh yeah, I've I spent the last couple of months trying to figure out how to to rebrand and, and get back into it. I'm excited. I got gifts going, more content away. Oh. got it's going to be great. Got, Season two, man. You got you got to create some gifts of yourself with like send stuff on it. Just, oh, actually, I have a gift. I tried posting it on here during the the stream. I couldn't do it. I'm going to send you a gift. You're going to hate it, but it's going to be great. All right, cool. It's probably, it's probably Corey Schneider, but whatever. <laughs> no, it's Subban. It's a Subban oh, gift. All right, sick. Let's keep it going. Um, all right, yeah, I'm going to send that to you. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Follow Neil. Uh, he also has a book. Yeah. Uh, um, he I, stopped. I don't know if anybody can see it. Probably not, but I'll show it anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the uh, pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan just goes through all like the painful memories, player decisions, uh, all that, all that fun stuff uh, since they won Super Bowl three back in 1969. So it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble on sale for the price of 1969. And there's a specific reason why I chose 
that price. But yeah, go check it out. You know, buy it. Let me know what you guys think. I would love to love to hear from you guys. But uh, hey, you guys, you're gonna you're gonna have to send me a signed copy of that. I'm not yeah, a no, fan, but you're gonna have to send me a signed copy. Me your, uh, or just message me your address, and I'll send you out a copy uh, tomorrow. I bet. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Woo! What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Piano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo!